Grace, grace, marvelous grace. And uh, that's what we're going to look at tonight in this passage that we've come to. As I said, verse 8 through verse 10 are passages or verses that are very, very familiar to us. And I'm going to be just transparent with you. Um, I tried to go back and study these three verses out as if I'd never looked at them before. And God began to teach me a few things through these verses. And so one of the, one of the things that pastors uh, struggle with, I struggle with, is taking a passage that is a passage that most people can quote from memory. And, 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 and also a passage that deals with some truth that have been taught many times before. And, and trying to stay within the context and not in any way, shape, or form deviate from what the passage is saying, but at the same time, allowing God to make it fresh to our hearts. And, and I believe that God's been able to give me direction here that I hope and pray this will be helpful to you and it'll be fresh to your heart. Because I, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I'm greatly disturbed in the day in which we live in that I think we have a very warped or polluted understanding of saving grace. And, and I think that's one of the things that Paul is trying to get these believers to understand because I want you to be reminded He's writing these verses to believers, not to lost people. And so why would he write about the grace that saved them to believers? Because he knew, and, and boy is it not true today, that so many people have a view of grace that's not what I would call a biblical view of grace. We have a partial view of grace, a lot of people, and and we have this understanding grace is the unmerited favor of God. And, and listen, grace is the unmerited favor of God. I, I praise him that he saved us in spite of us. But at the same time, in this passage, grace takes on a far, far deeper meaning than just the unmerited favor of God. And so what we're going to do is look at this passage, I pray, from a fresh perspective. Now, is there some things I'm going to say in this message that you've heard me say before and maybe many times before? There is. But at the same time, there's some things that, number one, I had never seen before, and number two, some things in which I'm going to try to explain through Scripture in a way that I've never explained them to you before. So I hope this will be fresh to you. So wherever you are, if you are able, if you would please stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word, beginning in verse 8, you know these by heart, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Notice it doesn't say it is a gift of God. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Father, I pray you'd make this fresh to our hearts. I pray that you'd awaken with us, in us, an excitement, an understanding, enlightenment, illumination to the truth of your grace and 
And Father, as every born-again child of God that's listening tonight, Father, just an awareness and a recognition, or Father, maybe a reminder of exactly what you did in us, through us, and for us when you saved us. And Father, I pray that you would just honor yourself in speaking to me, through me. And Father, I pray that you'd be my thoughts and my words for your honor, your glory, and your namesake. In Jesus' holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. Well, I want you to understand that verse 8 has a connective word to it. Notice it says, For by grace are you saved. And so what he's doing, he's connecting back. You remember in the end of verse 5, he says, by grace are you saved. And then you come to verse 7, and he talks about the exceeding riches of his grace. And and so when we come to verse 8, what he's doing is he's bringing this to a place, and the word for can also be translated because. So in other words, the riches of his grace and showing kindness towards us through Christ Because by grace are you saved. And so what he's doing here is connecting and continuing a thought that he has already previously been dealing with. Now, I want us to look first at the work of grace. Because verse 8 and 9 deals with this work of grace. Specifically, the work of grace in saving us. And so if you're saved today you're going to find out real quickly you're saved because of his grace. And so what we're going to do is look at this work of grace. Look at the first thing with me, the gift of God's grace. If you look at the bottom of verse 8, it says this grace that saved us, it is the gift of God. Now, remember, I've said this before to you. I want to remind you, grace is the person of the Lord Jesus. And so we we always say we can only be saved through Christ. And you say, well, wait a minute. Am I saved by grace or am I saved by Christ? Yes and yes, they're one and the same. If you're saved by Christ, you're saved by grace. But this is a gift in which God gives. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can uh, 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 appeal to him for. It is a gift in which he gives and he gives alone. Now, with that being said, what is this grace? I mean, exactly, what is this grace that saved us? And I want you to see what it entails. The first thing is grace enlightens. In other words, if grace is what saved me and what saved you, the first thing grace had to do was enlighten me or enlighten you. Now, there's a verse that I quote a lot with y'all, but I want to read because I'm going to read some verses after it. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through verse 6. Watch what it says here. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest, here comes the grace, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
There's that enlightenment. It comes through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And God breaks light upon you, breaks light upon me. Hey, when God saved me, I was too blind to know my need. I was definitely too blind to see his provision. But God broke light on me. God broke light on you. And that was part of the grace of God. Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Now look at verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the reality of it. When you and I were lost and God began to woo us and draw us unto himself, it began by a work of grace. By the grace of God, he broke light upon us. By the grace of God, he gave us enough light to respond, enough light to see ourselves, enough light to see his provision, and it was grace that started it, and it was grace that finished it. And so grace enlightens. But I want you to see, secondly, grace enables. Now you say, what do you mean it enables? Well, notice what it says. It says, by grace are you saved. Now this word saved here is in the passive voice. And you say, preacher, you use these terms. What in the world does that mean? It means that someone had to operate on my behalf to make it reality. In other words, the Bible says grace, by grace are you saved, meaning that that by grace, grace operated on my behalf, he operated on my behalf, he operated on your behalf, and you're saved because of what he did, not because of what you did. And so in other words, this grace, it, it enables. So when we talk about the unmerited favor of God, that is true. But grace is much more than that. It's the enabling power of God. So I want you to understand that your salvation that began with God is a gift from God and it is by God through which you are saved. Now notice the next part of this verse. Through faith. So now wait a minute. Am I saved by grace or am I saved by faith? Well, here's the reality of it. You're saved by grace, but yet faith, here's the Greek word, the word through, is the word that means a channel through which some act is accomplished. So in other words, you're saved by grace, but the channel or the road in which this grace traveled is through faith. So in other words, grace saves you. Faith is the avenue through which grace saves you. And now all of a sudden you have to understand, all right, is it God's grace and my faith? Or is it God's grace and God's faith? And that's what we're going to look at tonight. Because I want you to understand something real quick, clear. When it comes to salvation, this is not a two-way transaction between you and God. It's not something in which God gives me grace and I take my faith. Or God contributes grace and I contribute to faith. I got news for you. Listen, it's grace that saved. If my faith, if I had enough faith to believe and save myself, then let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be wouldn't be he that saved me. It would be me and he together that saved me. In other words, the faith was a gift of God. The faith was something God gave you. And when God gave you the faith, now, listen, he gave you the faith and then he saved you down the road of faith as grace done its work in your life. It's an amazing, amazing truth. Now let me prove this to you biblically, okay? 
I want to walk you through this, and I want you to see it. And, and I want you to understand, I'm going to explain this in a minute, so don't turn your TV off yet. I want to explain this in a minute that, listen, even though God gives you faith, God's not going to faith for you. So I'm going to explain the difference between those two in just a minute. So hang on. But Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now think about it. If faith cometh by hearing, what does that mean? That faith was not there until the hearing of the word. Faith cometh by hearing. The word by here is the same Greek word as through and that we just saw in this passage. And so what it does is it's translated this way. It's translated 181 times as from and 162 times as out of. So in other words, my faith came from the hearing or my faith come out of the hearing. So let me ask you a question today. What does the Bible say about hearing the word of God? Can a natural man understand the things of God? No, the Bible says they're foolishness to him. So who's the only one that can help you hear or understand the word of God? It is the spirit of God for things are spiritually discerned. So here's the reality of it. Faith cometh by hearing. So God initiated faith through his grace. And how did he do that? He gave me enough light through his Holy Spirit to see my need, to see his provision. And at that moment, guess what? Faith was now activated in my life. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29. Now watch this. Read it closely. For unto you it is given. Notice that word given. Underline it, circle it, do whatever you need to do. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now there's a twofold thing given to you here in this verse. Number one, he's given you the ability to believe in Christ. Number two, he's given you the privilege to suffer for his sake. But I want to focus on the first one. So in other words, if faith cometh by, or faith cometh from, or faith cometh out of uh, hearing the word, and it goes in line with what he's saying here in Philippians, therefore God has given me in the behalf of Christ to be able to believe. Now, you say, preacher, I'm still not convinced. We'll read Acts 18, verse 27. Watch what it says. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, now watch this, which believed through grace. Now you say, wait a minute. In, in the verse we just looked at, preacher, it says grace through faith. Now they've reversed the order. And now it is believing our faith through grace. And by the way, the word through is the exact same word used here in verse 8 of Ephesians 2. So which is it? Is it grace through faith or is it faith through grace? Well, I got news for you. The answer to the question is yes and yes. You say, I don't understand. God gives you grace. He gives you the ability to trust Him. He gives you the ability to faith Him. And at that moment, faith is the avenue through which grace travels. But the grace is also what gave you the ability to believe. So therefore, you believe through grace and your grace through faith or you're saved. It's an amazing thing. Now, I want to go back to this because I don't want anybody to misquote me here. 
God cannot believe for you. And God cannot repent for you. And you say, well, preacher, you've already confused me. If God gives me the faith to believe, then how can you say God can't believe for me? Because here's the reality of it. God gives you the faith, but God doesn't force you to exercise what he's given you in that faith. Let me give you an example. If you had a project that had to be done or a task that had to be accomplished, and there was only one tool that could accomplish that task, there was no other tool that you could find to accomplish that task. And I came to you, and Donald's here, and I walk up to Donald. Donald has this task he's got to complete, and there's only one tool, Donald, that can accomplish. And I walk up to Donald, and I hand him that tool. And when I hand him that tool, I walk away. He's now equipped. He's now enabled to accomplish the task that is at hand. Now, here's the reality. Donald has one of two choices. He can reject the tool and lay it aside and try to do it in his own effort. Or he can take the tool and appropriate the use of the tool whereby it accomplishes what the tool is meant to accomplish. Now you say, preacher, how does that apply to this? Because here's what God did in grace. He gave you faith. There's the tool. God didn't force you to believe. God gave you the freedom to reject his gospel as well. But at the same time, God gave you the tool. Now, what you do with that faith, listen, is it his faith? Yes. Did he give it to you? Yes. Hey, was that tool my tool that I gave to Donald? Yes. But can Donald use that tool? Yes. But can Donald not use that tool? Yes. So here's the reality. God gives you the faith through grace. And grace is the avenue through which faith comes to reality. And faith is the pathway through which grace comes to reality. Isn't God amazing? So God starts it, God initiates it, and God enables you to do it. But yet at the same time, you can reject it. Now some of my folks that I know through, through my many avenues of communion with others would say that if God gives you faith, that you can't reject the gift of God. I got news for you. You can reject the gospel of God. And I want to make that perfectly clear. God does not believe for you. and God does not repent for you. But God exercises that faith. And he gives you the inclination to do with that faith in responding to him in faith and repentance. You see, this is the gift of God's grace. Grace enlightens. Grace enables. But grace eliminates. You say, what do you mean grace eliminates? Well, look at verse 8 with me again. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. Now you say, what do you mean it eliminates? Well, if grace is everything I just described to you from a biblical fashion, what is grace just eliminating? Any self-effort, any religious effort, any force of your own ability trying to save yourself, trying to achieve 
That's salvation for yourself. Grace eliminates man from the equation. Because remember, we have to respond. But God even has to enable us to respond. And so you and I must understand that grace eliminates. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. Listen to what it says. And if by grace, then it, it, if, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. So in other words, if there's anything in my life that had to do with any way of me being saved, then guess what? I've just eliminated grace. But instead, grace eliminated me. And so the Bible says, if by grace, then it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it is of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. And so grace eliminates human effort. And if you understand, you can't save yourself, folks. I want to tell you something. You're already right picking for grace. Because that's one of the things you got to understand. You can't save yourself. And I've said that a million times too. Let, let me give you a, a, a fictitious story to help you understand what's going on, I believe, in America today. There was this man in England. He was riding his donkey and he was riding down the road and he saw something laying on the side of the road. He dismounted from his donkey, walked over to the, what he saw laying on the side of the road. And he saw a sparrow and the sparrow was laying on its back with its, with its little tender and thin legs poked up towards the sky. He walked up to that sparrow and he saw that that sparrow wasn't dead. It was alive. And I told you it's a fictitious story. Y'all say amen. He spoke to the sparrow and he said, Sparrow, are you okay? The sparrow says, yes, I'm okay. And the man looked at the sparrow and he said, Sparrow, he said, why are you laying on your back with your, with your thin little legs pointed up towards the sky? He said, I heard a rumor that the sky is falling and I'm going to hold myself. I'm going to support myself with these legs. And the man looked at that sparrow and he said, Sparrow, he said, do you really think those crony little legs can hold back the sky? And here's what the sparrow said. He said, I don't know, but I can do my best. Let me tell you what a lot of people are trying to do to get saved. Do their best. Do their best by coming on Sunday morning. Do their best by coming on Sunday night. Do their best by occasionally coming on Wednesday night. Do their best by coming to Sunday school. Hey, listen, do their best by what they give or what they do. Do their best by trying to help somebody else. Oh, but folks, be reminded of this. That it's not a two-way transaction again between you and God. It is grace that provides the faith. And it is you that responded to what God done in your heart in that faith. And grace saves you. It's not of yourself. You see, this is the gift of God's grace. And by the way, this coming Christmas, when you get a gift, I want you to walk up to the person that gave you the gift and ask them this question and see how they respond. What did I do to get this gift? They're going to look at you and say, well, you didn't do anything. I just gave you a gift. Well, can I tell you what you did to earn this gift of God and His grace? Nothing! Let me show you a second thing. 
in this work of grace. The glory of God's grace. Not just the gift of God's grace, but the glory of God's grace. Look at verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So in other words, if grace, if he operated on my behalf to save me, if he through grace gave me faith to believe, If he is the one that saved me, and he is the one that gave me grace, then what do I have to boast about? Let me ask you a question. I want you to answer this wherever you are, in your mind. If I ask you this question point blank, how or why do you absolutely know that you're saved? How would you answer that question? Now think about it. If you were pinned down and you had to tell somebody how or why you're saved, how would you answer that question? Y'all got it? I'm going to give you a moment to think. You got it? Could it be that your answer was something like this? I gave my heart to the Lord. I prayed to receive Christ. I committed myself to Him. What did all three of those answers start with? I, I, I. Or would your answer be, because God did a work in my heart through grace, and transformed me and saved me and changed me and made me a new creature in Christ. You see, the fear of my heart is the majority of America would say, I, I, I. And if I had any part, then I can boast. But if God did it, I don't have anything to boast about. So who gets the glory? Let me ask you a question. When you stand before God, are you going to be able to stand before God and say, Oh, Father, I'm so glad I prayed and I committed my life to Christ. Or are you only going to be able to say, Oh, Father, I wasn't worthy. I don't understand why you saved me. But I want to thank you today that your son, through your grace, saved an old wretched soul like me. You see, God didn't save you for you. God didn't save me for me. God saved you for his glory. And he saved me for his glory. For all have sinned and come short of the glory. Of God. So if my sin and my lostness come short of the glory of God, then how am I going to get to the place where God is glorified? Well, can I tell you? Only God can glorify Himself. And so we see here the glory of God's grace. Well, look at verse 10. I want to show you something here. The wonder of God's grace. So not only the works of God's grace, but the wonder of God's grace. Look at the beginning of verse 10. For, continuation, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now the word for here connects us back to this grace. 
This grace that has done a work in us. This grace that God gave us. This grace that we can't boast about ourselves. And we can only boast about what he's done. And he says, now, let me tell you what this grace now produced. Let me tell you what this grace brought out of your salvation. For, for, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good work. This word workmanship, it's a word that, that is poemia and here's what it is it's the english word a greek word we get the english word poem from it means you and i through the grace of god that brought faith that brought salvation can i tell you something today you and i are his masterpiece he put together I mean, you're his poem that tells a story. You're, you're his poem that tells a story of the riches of his grace. You're the masterpiece that he shows off to a lost and dying world. And notice what it said. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That word created is the same as saved, passive. He's the one that did it. He's the one that made me. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that caused me to be his masterpiece. Because in and of myself was the Bible said, the best I could produce. My righteousness was filthy rags. Hey, the Bible said that I was a stench. I was a stench in his nostrils. But God created a masterpiece out of nothing. Hey, listen. Bara, God created out of what? Nothing. Out of nothing, he brought this creation. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God made you a masterpiece out of nothing. In other words, you didn't have anything to offer towards this masterpiece. You didn't have anything to give towards this masterpiece. You didn't have any goodness for him to start with. You didn't have any holiness for him to start with. You didn't have any righteousness for him to start with. Hey, I'll go one step further. You didn't even have a desire for him to start with. God makes you a masterpiece out of nothing. You're God's poem. All oh, the wonder of His grace. But I want you to see, secondly, God's position. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now, I've dealt with this phrase many times, so I'm just going to remind you and go on. The word in there means at rest. So God made you His workmanship, created you, made you something out of nothing, how did he do it? By placing you in Christ Jesus. Oneness and rest in the person of Christ. He positioned you in Christ and is positioning you in Christ. You didn't have nothing to work with you. He didn't have nothing to work with with me. But can I tell you, he had a lot to work with in Christ. And so on the basis of his son, he made you and I something out of nothing. Thirdly, this wonder of grace is pictured in God's purpose. So why did he make me his masterpiece? Why did he make you his masterpiece? His poem that tells a story of his marvelous grace. Why did he position me in Christ, in his grace? Unto good works. Unto good works. James says, works, faith without works is dead. Never was faith to start with. So here's the truth. You can't work to earn faith. But if you have faith, it's going to work. 
You see, this is what substantiates that you've experienced this gift of God of grace. Because it works. It works. Now, I want you to understand something. What are these good works? Well, these good works are everything that Christ produces through you. Remember John 15? He's the vine, we're the branch. So who produces the fruit, the vine or the branch? The vine. Who bears or displays the fruit? The branch. So these good works are the fruit in which God produces through Christ in you, and you and I are just a branch that displays. So in other words, let me put it this way. The Bible says we're ambassadors of Christ. In other words, we're the showpiece of Christ. So here's the truth of the matter. Everywhere you go, you're displaying some kind of fruit. And everywhere you go, you're either displaying the fruits of your flesh, the fruits of this world, the fruits of the enemy, or you're displaying the fruit in which Christ and Christ alone can produce. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden people see you and they say, hey, there's something different about that person. There's something different about how they respond. There's something different about how they love. And all of a sudden, what are they finding? They're finding the fruit on your tree is awful good. Because why? It's not you, it's Christ. You are His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. One Bible scholar said it this way, good works flow from what God does in us rather than good works in us flowing from our works. In other words, it is God that allows these works to flow out of us. It is not us in our energy, in our flesh, in our working it up to, to bring forth these good works. It is Christ in us. Hey, listen, it is Christ that saved us. It is Christ that produces us. It's amazing what God has done. Well, notice nextly, not only God's poem and God's positioning and God's purpose, but God's preparation. Notice what it says. Which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This word ordained means to prepare before or to make ready beforehand. So these good works that Christ produces in us, when did God have put them in place? When did God plan out your life of what His Son was going to do through you? Before the foundation of the world. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. Are you saying I was saved from the foundation of the world? I'm saying this. God knew you before you ever were. And here's what I'm trying to say to you. It's not that God chose who would be saved and who would be lost. That's not it at all. But here's the reality. God has perfect knowledge. Past, present, and future. Everything with God is now. And so let me ask you a question. Donald, did God know that day at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church when he would enable you by faith and you would respond and say yes to him? Did he know about that day before the foundation of the world? Absolutely, he did. So guess what? He planned out what Jesus was going to do through you before you ever were. Isn't that amazing? See, God knew I couldn't sing. 
so he didn't make me a singer. Every, the seven people in here are all saying amen. I'm just letting you know. See, God knew. God knew. And so God's preparation. Once you see the last thing, I'd never seen this before in all my years of study. He ordained that we should walk in them. Now, if you look at this verse, the walk of God's grace. So we saw the work of God's grace, the wonder of God's grace, the walk of God's grace. If you look at this term walk, I mean, think about the tenses. I want to give you a real quick Greek lesson real quick. Present tense means continuously ongoing habitually. Aorist, one time, never to be repeated. I mean, just your guess, what would you think the tense would be of this term walk? I'm going to tell you what I thought. I thought, well, this is a no-brainer. It's, it's present. I'm to continuously walk in what he's before ordained, these good works in Christ. There's an aspect of that that is true, but what if I told you that this is in the aorist? I've never seen this before. And I want to tell you something. I told Howie this morning, I spent eight hours trying to figure out the interpretation of what that meant. Eight hours. And God put one sentence in my mind to explain what this means. And I'm going to quote this sentence that I believe the Lord put in my heart. Here it is. It is the walking out of what God has already given and prepared for us in Christ. There's the heiress. By the appropriation of faith in His life of holiness and service in us. There's the active. Heiress active. So here's the reality. God placed you in Christ. And the good works are Christ manifested himself through you. So here's what it is. When God saved you by grace, God had prepared, foreordained good works and those good works that would be produced through you in Christ. So how does God bring those works out of me? Well, somewhere he had to place them in me. And he placed them in me. And when he gave me the person of the Lord Jesus. So guess what? I don't have to ask him for good works. He's already gave me the good work. His name is Jesus. But yet actively, I must by faith trust him and yield to him and present myself as a an unyielded vessel or an unwilling vessel, a willing vessel unto him at any moment, at any time, that Jesus can walk through me and out of me the works he's placed in me when he gave me himself. Let me read it again. They've asked me to read it again. I like response. I'm not used to response. I've been preaching for several weeks with no response. I feel like I got 300 in here. Amen. It is, <laughs> it is the walking out of what God has already given. That's the good works in Christ. He's already given to you and prepared for us in Christ by the appropriation of faith. In other words, he's given me these works. He's given me Christ. Christ is the good work. But hey, listen, I've got to trust him. I've got to trust him through faith, which means I'm going to yield to him by faith.
And as I do, I appropriate by faith his life of holiness and service in which he works in us. Oh, folks, grab that. Grab that. Isn't it amazing that God does for us what only he can do? It's so amazing. So in other words, let me put it to you this way. You and I are walking out his finished work as a masterpiece for his glory. We're just letting him walk out through us. Give you an object lesson. If I painted a, a picture or I wrote a poem and it began to be something in which nationally, maybe even universally, began to be recognized as a masterpiece, who gets the acclaim and who gets the credit? The one that painted it. Or the one that wrote it. You see, the masterpiece, whatever museum it may hang in, or whatever place that it may be read as a poem, is just the working out of a completed work that was already done. But the author of the masterpiece, gets the praise and the glory. He created you out of nothing to be his masterpiece. And you bear forth his good works as a branch bears forth the brine. And everywhere you go, can I tell you something? The author of this saving by grace, masterpiece of God, gets all the glory and all the acclaim. Because it wasn't me. It was Him for His glory. You see, you're saved by grace. Through faith, yes, the faith He gave you. not of yourselves. It's the work of God. Lest any man should boast. You're not going to go to a gallery and a painting on the wall. Speak from the wall and say, look what I did. The author of the masterpiece gets all the glory. But if I, 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 you're like a painting trying to speak from a gallery wall and claiming credit that you had nothing to do with. You're just the canvas. Or let me put it another way. 
You're the lump of clay. He's the potter. He molds. He shapes. And he makes you a vessel of glory. Father, you know every heart of every person that's listening to this broadcast. You know if you have been able by the response of the faith you gave to do a work of grace in every person that's listening. And so, Father, I come to you tonight. And I pray right now, first for any person that's listening, that that work of grace has not taken place in their life. They're still trying. They're still trying. They've tried through membership. They've tried through baptism. They've tried through attendance. They've tried through good works or what they think are good works. And they're trying and they're trying and they're trying. But Father, they've never come to the place of being arrested by your Spirit and seeing that if this work is done, it's done by you. And there's nothing we can do. And so, Father, I pray if there's anybody there listening, that you're bringing Holy Ghost conviction upon right now is you're awakening their soul to their need. I pray they would respond through the faith and the light that you're giving them. But Father, I pray for all that are saved that are listening. Father, your word says, as we receive Christ Jesus, even so walk ye in him. So, Father, to understand this work of grace, this gift of grace, this glory of grace, is to understand how to live the Christian life. Because, Father, your word says we live the Christian life in the same way we received it. Your grace, through faith, not of ourselves unless we should boast about our own Christian life. It's all for your glory. So maybe today there may be some that are truly saved, truly your child. Maybe they just need to raise up the white flag of surrender and learn what it means to abide in you and watch you bear much fruit in them. And I'll thank you and I'll praise you for what you do and how you do it. In Jesus' holy, precious, and mighty name.